Good evening. This is Dr. Dan Guerra coming to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the in the Pacific Northwest of the USA. Today is the 14th of October, 2020, and we're going to get started uh, immediately. Once um, I take a look at which slide I'm going to start with, which I think I figured out already. Okay, so this is Authentic Biochemistry, as I said, I'm going to be talking about this arc of uh, lectures, which includes senescence and human aging. Specifically tonight, we're going to talk about the deacetylase agency in NAD positive, or NAD plus, excuse me, in ADB ribose metabolism as the equipoise for cell fate in aging and disease. So we're going to talk about nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, oxidized form, and we're going to talk about a metabolite of that nucleotide called ADP ribose. <clears throat> and we're going to suggest that there's an equipoise there for cell fate that is associated with aging and various diseases. So that's where we're going to go. All right. Now, a paper published by Hogan et al. in Frontiers in Immunology um, in the end of May, 31st of May, 2019. This paper is going to lead us into a discussion of something called the cluster of differentiation CD38 protein. So it turns out it's a very interesting protein when it comes to NAD metabolism, sirtuins, because remember, sirtuins depend upon free NAD for their functionality, and therefore sirtuins associated with heterochromatin and in control of gene expression as it related to melatonin, like the last couple of lectures, in association with the aging process. Remember, melatonin drops, sirtuin 1 drops, and it's believed that that may have an effect on the aging process. Drops meaning the, the levels of that protein in that uh, endocrine hormone drop as one ages. So this led me to find this paper. CD38 then is a multifunctional ectoenzyme. I'll explain that in a second. And what it does is it metabolizes NAD, the oxidized form, NAD+, and it mediates nicotinamide dinucleotide and extracellular nucleotide homeostasis. It also is involved in intracellular calcium, uh, mobilization, and it's even considered a surface marker to identify T cells in general, or certain T cells, particularly T memory cells. <clears throat> now, the lab that's, uh, this, uh, that published this paper already has demonstrated CD38 is an NAD catabolic enzyme, and its activity is linked with infection, aging, and tumorigenesis. Sound familiar? These are main themes in the pathophysiology I've been doing in authentic biochem. Okay. Now, CD38 is expressed as a membrane component of immune cells, and it's uh, synthesized and expressed in response to stimulation by cytokines, by endotoxins, and even interferon, where it is regulated by a promoter region containing binding sites for NF-kappa-B, the retinoic acid dimer receptor transcription factor RXR, the LXR, and the STAT complex, all of which are very important as transcriptional regulators, uh, and specifically in T cells, if you recall. That suggests it plays a key role, of course, in the inflammatory response. Now, I mention it here because CD38 is associated with a large drop in cellular NAD plus levels that significantly will alter metabolism, and it will signal, signal through 
the sirtuins. Okay, those are the deacetylases we were talking about just last time. So <clears throat> inflammation-driven relocation of CD38-expressing immune cells. This is the entire cell now, not the movement of the CD38 from the cytoplasm to the membrane, where it becomes an ectodomain enzyme. Let me just say real briefly what that means. It means that the protein is situated in the plasma membrane, but it's exposed active site is to outside of the cell. So it functions as an NAD metabolic enzyme outside of the cell that's expressed on. Okay, so it's kind of curious, right? Now, is that always there, of course? But when it's there, it's an ectoenzyme. That's the terminology we use for it. Because <clears throat> it has this ectodomain, this active site for metabolism NAD. And I'll explain to you the metabolism soon. It involves basic, what you would think, basic reactions for NAD catabolism. All right, so inflammation drives relocation of CD38 expressing immune cells during infection and in aging and even in tumorogenesis. So it looks like it could corrupt NAD homeostasis because that's going to drop because of this expression of CD38 in parenchymal tissues or the tumor microenvironment. Thus, what's it going to do? It's going to alter cell fate and indeed tissue integrity, Okay. Now, we're going to get back to paper in a minute. I just want to briefly give you another um, insight about why CD38 is important in the scientific literature. It has been associated with HIV-positive T-cell um, infections, okay? And there's a lot of literature on that. I'm not going to talk about that today at all. I'm going to tell you here from a paper published in the journal Cells, that's not cell, but cells, in 2020, Volume 9, starting with page 228. This paper came out just about in January, February of 2020. What does it tell us about CD38? Rather quickly here. It tells you it's a multifunctional protein, as we already know. It's expressed in a lot of different cells, but mostly in the immune system. And you can even find soluble forms of it. So it leaves the membrane in biological fluids. Now, that's interesting because that wasn't something that was known even a few years ago. Now, CD38 expression, of course as we just said, is upregulated by a, a whole host of inflammatory mediators, such as pro-inflammatory cytokines and chemokines, uh, and things like lipopolysaccharide, uh, which doesn't surprise anyone. And it frequently is used as a cell activation marker for T lymphocytes. Now, there are studies in animal models which indicate that CD38's functional expression actually confers protection against infection from not so much virus, but parasitic pathogens and even bacterial pathogens. Now, besides that, in the, when you look at the infections themselves, infectious complication of a host, these are usually done in animal models, is associated with an anti-CD38 immunotherapy. Okay, that's kind of curious, right? Because Although CD38 displays receptor and enzymatic activities, like a lot of these surface uh, proteins do, particularly ones with ectodomains, and therefore it contributes to the establishment of an effective immune response, it's also possible that CD38 might enhance the immunosuppressive potential of certain regulatory leukocytes, for example, Tregs with CD4 uh, positive lineage, or even CD8 positive lineage, as I found in the literature. 
and certainly team memory cells, which remember are naturally quiescent until I meet up with antigen that they were generated for. So that gives you a little inroad, a little insight of where CD38 fits in in the general population of the scientific literature. That was a 2020 paper. So now let's go back to this paper. This is a paper published now in 2016. So I'm giving you another one more paper to think about. It was published by Camacho Pereira uh, in, in a journal called Cell Metabolism in 2016. It's volume 23, page 1127. What it showed is that as aging increases, CD38 increases, NAD drops, and so does mitochondrial function. And that's with age, okay? So CD38 has this NADase activity, okay? It's a hydrolase enzyme. It's going to break down NAD, NAD, and I'll tell you the enzymology in a moment here. So, but because it removes NAD, all NAD, it depends on where that CD38 is expressed, right? So if it's extracellular and the NAD is extracellular as well, it's probably not going to have an effect on mitochondrial function, at least not directly. But when that domain is turned inside or when the CD38 is actually residing in a cytosol or maybe even in association with the mitochondria, or at least the movement of reducing equivalence of the mitochondria, uh, as during glycolysis, for example, and during the aspartate shuttle, another mechanism, and the malate enzyme, um, it can then tank NAD levels. And of course, you need NAD oxidized, natively to be reduced during the reactions of beta oxidation of fatty acids and the TCA cycle, too, that you can think about, the androgenases, right? So that's a key feature here, too. So it has something to do with bioenergetics. So let's get back to a little bit more detail on this paper here, this cell metabolism paper published four years ago. So CD38 is positioned in the cellular membrane and its catalytic site spates towards the extracellular environment. And it's called a type 2, and I say EO-IPSO, over 90% of the CD38 acts as an ecto-NADase. So it's a type 2 thereby, that's what EO-IPSO means in Latin, about 90% of this protein acts as an ecto, so outside the cell, but still stuck to it, NADase. And it catabolizes what's known as beta NAD. Don't worry, I'll explain this right now. The nicotinamide moiety can occur in two orientations associated with specific anomeric carbon. So it would have, therefore, as you know in biochemistry, it's going to have then two diastereoisomers, and it is the beta nicotinamide diastereoisomer of NAD that is actually biologically and therefore biochemically relevant. So in some literature, you'll call it, see it called beta NAD, okay? That's a differentiated from the uh, alpha um, uh, diastereoisomer. Now, given the abundance of intracellular NAD oxidized, what could the function be of the extracellular one? It's a good question. Now, they were asking us four years ago. Well, as it turns out, CD38 metabolizes extracellular NAD precursors as well, such as uh, NMN, nicotinamide mononucleotide, and the, the, nu the, nuclea, um, the nicotinamide riboside. So all three of those NAD moieties, NAD, NMN, and NR, all of those can be metabolized by CD38 extracellularly from that extra domain. And that, but they can still enter the cell. So prior to entry into the cell, all of those intermediates and byproducts can be 
um, metabolized by CD38. Indeed, this lab that has been publishing this, it's uh, the, the Chini lab, C-H-I-N-I, I want to give them credit for this because they've done a lot of really great work, demonstrated that the acto-NMNase, right, nicotinamide mononucleotide ACE, right, breaking that down via hydrolase reaction, that activity of CD38 actually plays what they suggest a critical role in the regulation of nicotinamide nucleotides during aging in the murine model. Now that's in the murine model, okay? So you have to you have to accept that uh, this is not human studies yet. Now, a question you may ask, and that they ask actually in this paper, pretty much verbatim, they say, "Why do you think NAD levels decrease with age?" So this paper in 2016 suggests that increased expression of the NADase CD38 is responsible for that NAD decline because you get more CD38 as cells age, particularly lymphocytes and leukocytes, but a lot of other cells have CD38 as nectar domain on the surface. So that also leads to mitochondrial dysfunction because some CD38 is intracellular, as I said, <laughs> and that's particularly in older mice. There's also it, It's also been shown by this lab that this is a CERT3, that isoform of sirtuin, sirtuin-3, dependent association. That's because you remember sirtuins require NAD for their activity. So CD38 metabolizes the NAD precursor NMN and it modulates the response to NAD replacement therapy in vivo because there's a lot of work on NAD replacement in aging. Probably have heard of it if you study uh, gerontology. Now, perhaps the role of type 2 membrane-bound CD38 is to maintain NAD oxidized form homeostasis. Remember, whenever I say NAD, I mean beta NAD, of course, the biologically significant one, by regulating precursors of NAD synthesis in that extracellular environment. That's one possibility. There are, of course, intracellular forms of CD38, as I said, with the catalytic site facing all kinds of different intracellular microenvironments. Examples include the transmembrane type 3 CD38 that actually has its C-terminal facing intracellularly. So CD38 present in the nucleus and in the mitochondrial membrane have also been demonstrated, and there's likely a true soluble form of CD38 in the cytoplasm, okay? Because you know you have NAD in every subcellular compartment of the cell, so it kind of makes sense that there would be an NAD metabolizing enzyme in all of those subcompartments in eukaryotes. Now, in all those configurations, CD38 would have access to the intracellular pool of NAD, and without significant regulation, if it's, not, if it's not regulated, that is the CD38, could lead to a severe decline in intracellular NAD. And that's exactly what happens. And that results in, as you might guess, metabolic collapse. You need oxidized NAD, beta NAD for glycolysis and beta oxidation of fatty acids. And as I said, all the dehydrogenases in the TCA cycle. So what gets tanked? Bioenergetics, right? Plain and simple. You cannot oxidize biofuels, carbohydrates, amino acids after transamination, of course, under the TCA cycle, all the TCA interme intermediates, and um, fatty acids. So glucose, fatty acids, and amino acids. You're going to get a metabolic class if you eliminate NAD. So that's the take-home message there. So as I said, in addition to the NAD glycohydrolase reaction, so that's the NADase reaction, which makes it actually... ADP ribose as one of its products, and the other product is just nicotinamide, 
remember NAD, or actually NADP will also work as a substrate, is a dinucleotide. So you make ADP ribose or, and nicotinamide from the NAD glycohydrolase reaction. That's the main one from CD38. Uh, you also have this NMNase activity, and that enzyme catalyzes the base exchange, a certain base exchange reaction, which is interesting because you get a lot of that in polar lipid head group mobilization as well, and in nucleotide metabolism, I should say. But it carries out a base exchange reaction that leads to an exchange of vitamin B3 bases. So this reaction is actually optimal in the presence of excess nicotinamide and at low pH. However, the reaction can also be catalyzed at physiological pH. It's been demonstrated. Again, these are this is the uh, Murine model. One of the potential molecules that can be generated with this reaction is something is the nicotinic acid derivative, which is NAADP, which is nicotinic acid adenine dinucleotide. Okay, so you got NAADP. You've got AD. PR, remember this is ADP ribose, right? And you also have a cyclic ADP ribose. It's one more you can do here. Uh, and that, again, it's the same reaction from CD38. It's a hydrolase reaction just using water, but you can actually make ADP ribose. Uh, you can take the, the product of that reaction and run it through the ADP ribosyl cyclase reaction. That's how you get cyclic ADP um, ribose. Okay, and that's a, that has its own biological significance, right? So you've got at least three products from the CD38, plus, of course, nicotinamide in each one of those reactions as a byproduct. So, and indeed, the base exchange reaction operates in vivo. It's been demonstrated, and you can you can you can study it by just using nicotinamide analogs. When you add those, you can get a big increase in the base exchange reaction products. That major one being again NAADP which is nicotinic acid adenine dinucleotide, okay? Not to confuse what's going on. Now, that's enough right now about what I want to say about NAD metabolism. We're going to go back in some more detail and look at NAD with, with the context of aging. So we're not, we're, not going to, we're not going to just abandon it. I just wanted you to, rem, to get that as some... Uh, initial understanding of how significant and how biologically potent sirtuins are. Because remember, sirtuins are going to be um, organizing around the utilization of NAD free, NAD, free NAD. And so because of that, they're going to be competing with that CD38 enzyme. So now maybe this gives you more of a flavor and understanding. If it's we're telling you CD38 goes up, we tell you NAD goes down in aging. Could CERT1 have something to do with it? Or is CERT1 also getting depleted, right? Because NAD is dropping. We know why, because of the buildup of CD38. But does that mean that NAD drops so low? And that's why CERT2ins drop as you age, you see? Remember I told you that sometimes people look at gene products like the say the CERT2 and 1 and say, aha, we understand if that drops, that's a, that's a hallmark of aging, that along with melatonin, because we know melatonin is involved in the activation of the CERT1, right? Remember that? That was the last couple of lectures. So now I'm putting another piece, uh, another puzzle piece into this grand um, design, right? That's why I'm giving you the information about the NAD. Okay, so let's go with this now. 
CERT1 activity can actually be flipped with activating compounds. We talked about them. We talked about the stilbene phenolic known as resveratrol, right? And that has been used. You know, you've heard this before, even in common literature, which I hate because it's always 180 degrees off of anything significant biologically and biochemically, of course. But it's been touted as extending lifespan because super high levels of resveratrol can extend yeast lifespan. Okay, well, yeast, remember, is a model organism quite a far reach from talking about mammals, particularly humans. So remember, keep that in the back of your mind. But they do have these compounds uh, that are called CERT activating compounds or STACs. And they actually act as allosteric activators of CERT1 in particular. And they bind to something called a STAC binding domain in the actual end terminus of the protein. Uh, and they do that, again, via very specific um, protein interaction, which alters essentially the, the tertiary structure of the protein. I won't get into detail about that, but it has been studied. Uh, so we know a lot about how, how resveratrol works. It actually does have a potent effect on um, altering the end terminus of these CERT proteins, particularly CERT1 has been studied mostly. But resveratrol also will act, and this is an activating alteration. So that's what they call activating compounds. So it's not competing with the substrates of any way. It's actually activating the protein because it binds to a specific site in the enzyme near, near the end terminus. There's a paper published in October of 2017 in Science Signaling that came to my attention as well. When I say it came to my attention, I discovered it in the literature and I'm now I'm giving it to you so you pay attention to it. This paper told me this. Elevated resveratrol works in human CD4 positive T cells and it does so by reducing the antigen receptor signaling and arrest at the G1 stage of the cell cycle. But low concentrations, cells were readily activated and exhibited enhanced CERT1 deacetylase activity. So how about that? Elevated, when you have high levels of resveratrol and you look at human CD4 positive T cells, you get a reduction in the antigen receptor signaling. So that means they're not functioning as well as say as T effector cells. And there's an arrest of those cells at cell division uh, at, at the G phase, right? Stops them at the G phase, right? But when you have a low concentration of resveratrol, remember it's acting as an activator of sirtuins, it actually activates and exhibits an enhanced CERT1 deacetylase activity. So see, I told you before that the KMs and Vmaxes, the relative concentration of a substrate or allosteric effector can have a pleiotropy of effects, including a complete change in valence. That means positive to negative, okay? When I use that word in biochemistry, that's normally what I mean, a flipping, as I say. So nevertheless, low-dose resveratrol rapidly stimulated genotoxic stress in the T cells, which results in inducing, now pay, now pay attention to this, the DDR response, remember that? The DNA repair response, damage, DNA damage repair response, DDR. And it, it, the reason we know that is because this whole process then turns on the DDR-dependent kinase known as ATR, which is the ataxia telangiectasia, and then the mutated form is called ATM and RAD3, 
So the entire ATR is ataxia telegentasia mutated ATM and RAD3 related. Okay, that's what the ATR is. That's why we use ATR, you see. But it doesn't, it doesn't, this, this amount of resveratrol does not um, affect the ATM itself, right? That's the one without the RAD3 uh, association, okay? So subsequently, you see a premyotic cell cycle arrest, okay, in the cells that are being uh, uh, turned on or activated, uh, or in this instance, deactivated um, in, uh, by using resveratrol. So the concomitant activation of P53 was coupled to the expression of gene products that regulate cellular metabolism, and that leads to metabolic reprogramming. And basically what, what that means, what it gets down to, is you get decreased glycolysis, but increased glutamine metabolism, right? And glutamine consumption, and it goes directly into the TCA cycle via alpha-ketoglutarate. Remember also you get uh, glutamine, glutamine metabolism in the cytosol, and that can actually... Uh, enhance the amount of citrate produced and the amount of acetyl-CoA from a citrate. And ultimately what you get there is some lipid metabolism. So the lipid metabolism can be helpful here if you're shutting down glucose oxidation, because ultimately you're going to need to run um, oxfos, electron transport chain oxfos in the mitochondria, either with the amino acid catabolism or with fatty acids. And this can serve both uh, purposes by bringing glutamine in the scene. So those alterations in the bioenergetic homeostasis of CD4 positive T cells, that's where all this was happening, results in an enhanced effector function of those T cells. So they differentiate into T effector cells for both the naive and even for memory CD4 positive T cells. Uh-huh. Uh, and those, of course, secrete increased amounts of, yep, our old friends, pro-inflammatory cytokines. And the one in particular that triggers the whole response downstream is interferon gamma. So tell you a little bit more about what NAD, NAD catalyzes an electron transfer in metabolic reduction oxidation, right? Or redox, right? That's what it normally does. We've talked about it at great length in general biochemistry. So, that's major major purpose of beta NAD uh, oxidized form. But also, as I've been saying now, and we've been observing in the literature, and people have been observing in the laboratory for at least 20 years, that it modulates cell signaling and survival. Hence, why we're discussing it on the aging uh, channel, <laughs> okay? So NAD is an essential co-substrate, just reminding you, during sirtuin desetylation where the reaction involves removal of an acetyl group from a target substrate, like a protein, on the lysyl group, like a histone, for example. So it removes the acetate from target substrates via the conversion of NAD to nicotinamide, or NAM, and one other byproduct, O-acetyl-ADP. So you get an NAD-dependent CERT-1-deacetylase and that uses the NAD as a substrate and it removes the acetyl groups in the targeted protein. And in addition to the deacetylated substrate, the reaction yields nicotinamide. And in the end, the acetate is transferred to ADP. So you get 2-O-acetyl-ADP ribose. ADP ribose, right? After you remove the acetate. So I think I'm going to, that, that little bit that I just described to you about the mode of action 
was actually published way back in November 2011 in Pharmacological Reviews. I want to make sure I give you that citation. And that was volume 64, page 166 to, um, no, page 66 to 87, excuse me. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to stop here because we're almost out of time. So hopefully you got a much clearer understanding about how NAD is involved in multiple metabolic pathways and, and, and sequences of events that are involved all the way from bioenergetics to cell signaling, to cell aging, to cell fate, uh, such as autophagy and apoptosis, something I didn't discreetly say this time, but I think I mentioned it last time. And all of this is associated with not just the NAD, but you've got this CD38, which is involved in immune cells and, and T cells in particular is what we're, we were looking at here. But you also have the sirtuins. Remember the sirtuins I've been talking about being related to aging. So it's all coming together. So next time we're going to go deeper into this whole description. We're going to stay with sirtuins, stay with NAD. And um, when we get through, I'd say two more of these authentic biochemistry lectures, we'll go back, we'll bounce back in and do a video lecture and do a synaptic summary and whatnot like I've been doing. So this is Dr. Dan Guerra, hoping that you enjoyed this lecture on the 14th of October, 2020. And uh, all I have to say now is bye for now.